the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Eight eleven ninety nine. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I am not the one who should be bringing this message to you, to the church. I am not someone of importance. I am not someone in power. I am nothing. I'm like the little boy who watched the parade and pointed out that the king had no clothing on, that it was all a sham. It causes me to tremble with fear, to bring this message. But the church today has no clothing on. It is naked before the world without power, without authority. And it's hard to even begin to talk about it. When did I first see this church without any clothing? When I was a boy. I'd go to church. I'd hear the the music. I would listen to the preacher. But I knew as a boy things I should not know. I knew how he treated his wife, who was a a humble, wonderful woman of God, totally beaten down. I watched as he mistreated her. And everybody in the church watched as he mistreated her. I marveled as a, as a little boy. I asked my father, why doesn't anyone deal with Pastor Carey with his little waxed must, mustache and his slick clothing? Why doesn't anyone address what's really going on in his life? And my dad only said, Ray, as you grow older, you will see behind the curtain. And you'll see that all is not right. What are you going to do about it? I said, I don't know. What I'm 
addressing today is very much the secret life of the church. I would go to camp meetings. In that day, they still held an annual 10-day camp meeting. We always went. I watched, and I listened, and I cried as a little boy. There'd be a big banner over the tabernacle, over the the stage. And it would say something like a new beginning, a new beginning. But it was not a new beginning. It was the same old, same old. And as a little boy, I would watch and listen. And I would see that something was happening in the church that I could not begin to understand. I was very upset. I'd go to mom and dad and I'd say, what is going to change in the new beginning? And my father would say, nothing is going to change, Ray. And my mom, she would say, Raymond, this is not something a little boy should be talking about. And I would be shut down. Okay. And now as I have lived these many years as a servant in the church. I've recognized that there are two great sins that have destroyed the American church and many places other than America, for we have transported our wicked theology around the world. We find these two sins spoken of very boldly in the scriptures in Jeremiah, the second chapter. Now, I'm going to try to tell you what these two sins are, but I'm going to have to now say to you, I too have committed these two sins. I have struggled against them. I have tried to deal with them in my own heart. And to this point, I am an abject failure. The only good part about this abject failure is that I clearly recognize that I am guilty with the American church. I have tried 
to play their game, sometimes succeeding, sometimes utterly failing, because I have not been able to give myself utterly and completely to Jesus Christ. Without these two sins, I have wept over them. I have confessed them. And today I come again to address this issue. To again say that I need a change. I need a change. We need a change. Now, some of you are saying, come on, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Okay. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Jeremiah, the second chapter. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror. Verse 13, my people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And two, they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Two sins. The church today has forsaken the way of the cross. That spring of living water that flows out of the prayer life of God's people. That prayer life is where the Holy Spirit comes and begins to move in power as he did in the early 1900s in America. But long ago, the church broke off the bonds of, of prayer and we have forsaken the Lord our God we have no awe of him. We have no awe of our God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the pitiful continuance of self-reliance where the church has relied upon its own talent and its own ability to bring the gospel to the world. I watch as pastors beautifully dressed 
speak to their congregations week after week or speak on the television week after week. They speak with wisdom and intelligence. They're articulate. They're most times heavy and fat and sleek and dirty because self stands right in the front of everything. Self-reliance. I trust my judgment. I trust my ability. I trust my perceptions. And in the process, they have forsaken the way of prayer and confession. They're confident. They're confident in what they know and what they can do. They're confident because the money is flowing. There is no emergency. There's no sounding of the trumpet in the church. There's no call to humble ourselves before Almighty God. There's no solemn assembly. If there were, we wouldn't know what to do. And that has led us and allowed us to dig our own cistern. You know what a cistern is? I lived for a time in a little town, Bosler, Wyoming. It was a little prairie town, train. The train would come through. Dad would drive down and pick up a load of water, bring it home, and we would refill the kitchen cistern where we would have water that we could pump with a little hand pump to do the dishes and to cook with, to wash up with, A cistern. It would hold the water. We have in the American church dug our own cisterns, our own music, not the old time gospel music. We've dug our own cisterns. We have beautiful buildings pastors, human ability rules, smooth speech, entertainment, many relationships, many habits, 
but they're all out of the human heart. What do we do? Well, if you look at our private behavior, you will see the pastors and the churches, for the most part, freely going to the movies that my dad called the garbage cans. You will find entertainment on every hand. You will not find, after the message is given, a falling down on our faces before God after the Sunday service. You will not find us falling on our faces before Almighty God, crying out for mercy. You will not find the conversation to be focused on our spiritual condition before God. Instead, you will find conversation flowing freely about the sports agendas, the games that are going to be played on the television, the YouTube. You will find men and women chit-chatting about shopping experiences of the week. Purchases made, Christmas parties. You will find men and women talking about everything that worldly people would also be addressing and speaking about. Because everybody knows that none of us, I include myself here, you will find that everybody is talking about the world. What pleases the flesh. You'll find the church talking about the devil. The strobe lights, the large screens, the colored lights, the backdrops, the comfort of the church, all help us make believe that we are where we need to be. Now, some of you will find this a radical statement. None of us are where we need to be as we are in the closing chapters of Earth's history but we are playing like everything is going to continue as it is now. I had a dream this week. I was at the gas station. 
And when it came time to pay, they asked for $365 for one tank of gas. We act as though everything is fine. There is no emergency. Everything is going to continue as it is now. It's not. America is crashing. And America will soon burn also. And then what are you going to do? How will you respond? Well, the way everyone else in the world is going to respond with great fear and trembling, concern. What do we do to maintain and kick the can further down the road as the trillions of dollars are now added to our debt burden in America? You think we're not going to turn into a third world country? And the judgments of God are not going to come upon us. God's judgments are coming upon America. And we are going to burn. But nobody wants to talk about that because right now everything is fine. Oh yes, the the groceries cost a little more than they used to. Clothing costs a little more than it used to. want to go buy a sweater 200 some dollars used to be 25 or 30 our dollar is dying but our churches are prospering the pastors are able to accumulate more and more brush in the church the problem is He has no ability to set it ablaze. It's just dead. I stood in the pulpit of an Anglican church. I spoke about this. And several of the leaders were sitting in the back row. And they were nodding to one another and poking one another and laughing at what I was saying. Oh, we have, we have an understanding that we're fine. Why? Because we have a, a cistern that we've dug ourselves. A church style that we've created for ourselves. A program Rituals. So the Anglican pastor stood up at the end of the worship service with the communion and with great I'm not even I don't even want to say it. He stood and lifted the the bread above his head and broke it with great symbolism. People came forward and partook of the bread. But Jesus was not lifted up. He was cast down. 
Well, what needs to change? I'm going to give you a few suggestions. Institute in the church a time of repentance and prayer. could be on a Wednesday night, Thursday night. Today, prayer meetings are the pastor or a guest speaker comes and speaks, and then they have somebody pray. That's not a prayer meeting. A prayer meeting is where we come with confession and repentance, our faces before God, and a recognition that we're playing a game and drink. And drinking from that from that dirty secret cistern. So we have to begin to recognize that to change what's happening, we're going to have to come before Jesus. and begin to make true confession of behaviors that are not in line with Jesus. We're going to have to examine the way we are like the world in the entertainment of the world. You're going to have to turn off your computer, and you're going to have to turn off your cell phone, and you're going to have to turn off your television. These are things that sear your mind as you watch the world's entertainment on them. Secondly, you're going to have to change your relationships. You're going to have to recognize that it's not enough to simply chit-chat about Jesus or chit-chat about the service, or chit-chat about your life. You're going to have to leave those relationships. But pastor, what about friendship evangelism? What about holiness in your life before you attempt friendship evangelism? You're going to have to be holy. What is holy? Set apart to Jesus. Separated from the world. Separated from the many worldly friendships and lifestyle. You're going to have to forsake those Friendships, where they are more influential on you than you are on them. And third, you're going to have to examine carefully your habits. What are your habits? What are your things that you habitually do? A 
I'll give you an example. I am not putting myself above anybody. I finish a broadcast and then I'd want to check what's happening in the world. And so I'd go to the YouTubes. The Lord said, cut that off. And so I have cut it off. That habit of mine of wanting to know what's going on in Israel, what's going on with Russia, what's going on with Saudi Arabia, what's going on in the world. Does it matter what's going on in the world? When Jesus has left us? When we have grieved Jesus from our hearts and our lives by our hungering after things that are not of God? Now when I finish the broadcast, I'm going into prayer. And I'm going to confess my inability to any longer rely on myself. Self-reliance is the greatest sin of the American church. It has led us to put our trust in what is false. Jeremiah said, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. That is, they have no longer spent the time with me in reading the word and in their prayer life. They no longer are listening to me. They no longer are seeking after my face. And so the gifts of the Spirit have been removed from the American church. Some of you will disagree and say, oh, yes, we have the gifts. No, you don't. Stop it. You want to read about the gifts of the Spirit? Go back and read about the early revivals. Read about the the pastors who would hold great evangelistic meetings in America, seating tents of 5,000 or more, confessions, people on their face all night. No, we have, we have totally left our Lord Jesus. We have forsaken Jesus, the spring of living water. And so today you go to church, have a little entertainment. Pastor can tell some jokes. A good pastor can then turn it, tell some emotional stories and bring tears to your eyes. Some simple little lesson 
strategy for increasing your wealth or how to be more patient, how to be a better mom or dad, and then go home. That's not church. When I was a boy, we spent almost all day at church. It was the center and heart of our life, Jesus. Today, before the sermon is even concluded, people are getting up and walking out of the service because they know nothing else is going to happen of any excitement. I notice on this broadcast, at the end, people kind of peter out. They don't want to talk about offerings and sacrifice and Okay. You have your own world. You have forsaken Jesus and the spring of living water. And you've dug your own cisterns, places where you draw up out of your of your creative life, your your skills, your abilities. And self-reliance is the rule of the day. You're going to have to change that. You're going to have to change your habits, your ways. Some pastors, after they finish their worship service and their ministry go back and get on their personal computer in the office and watch pornography one church a member he forgot to lock the door and the member opened the door and walked in and there his pastor was watching the pornography did they let him go and tell him no we all sin That was a mistake. You need to go and get some training in how to overcome. Really? He was not making a mistake. He was sinning against Almighty God. He was going to his God and bowing down before it. Sexual sin is rampant in the church today. Or one elder of the church. I confronted him with his with his attitude. He said to me, You're right, Pastor, I I make mistakes. He didn't say I sinned. That would be like King Saul. His wife was extremely overweight. They came to see me. We began to talk. She began to cry. And she said he can't have sex with me until he's had some alcohol 
and we've watched pornography together and then he can he can have sex with me there is a secret life of sexual uncleanness in the church today that is overwhelming for pastors and lay people alike. I could tell you story after story like this. Our habits, the rituals we go through to satisfy the lust of our heart, whether it be for money or sex, whatever it's for, it's a habit. It's what we're used to doing. It's, it's how we are used to our life flowing for us to satisfy out of our broken, our broken cisterns and drinking our water from our own cistern, poison water, Wickedness, indulgence. Everything needs to change. Everything needs to change. One man said to me, Pastor, I'm afraid of what you're saying. If I ever began to weep, I think I could never stop. I know what my secret life is, but we have an agreement in the church that we're not going to deal with these secret things. Everybody is the same. We're all dirty. But if we come to church and we act like we're clean, and we sing the songs and we or in the praise band, everybody will know that we're okay. And we can talk the, the God talk. It's what we do with the rest of the time that uncovers the utter wickedness of our hearts. Some of you need to get your house cleaned up. The devil thrives in dirt and chaos. And some of you have homes and cars that are filthy. You have a secret life. Of the food you eat, the trash you make, the ugliness of your home, that is not fit to invite people into for prayer and repentance. Now let me get right down to the bottom line. We need to be repenting and submitting and acknowledging the fact to Jesus that we have left him. And we don't even really know what to do about it. 
we've lived the lie for so long, the difference between our inner life and our outer life. How are we ever going to come to Jesus? We need some sawdust meetings where we're on our faces before Almighty God, acknowledging the wickedness of our life and our hearts and the lust of our flesh, the lust for things. I spoke with one man who said, Pastor, I've been struggling with this this terrible condition all of my life. I don't know how to get through it. One very well-known preacher said, this has been the sin of my life, self-reliance. I'll do what I want to do. I'll go where I want to go. I can succeed in life. I can accomplish what I need to accomplish. No, you cannot. No, I cannot. I need Almighty God. I need Almighty God. Do you? Could we dare acknowledge together that we have failed in our relationship with Jesus and we have taken another path? That there's no fervor, there's no passion, there's no strength in our spiritual life, the timber is gone. It's been burned by the lust of our hearts. We have gone our own way. We have built our own houses. We've built our own churches. It's been self-reliance. It has not been through repentance and prayer and crying out to God. It has to change. Our entertainment, our relationships, our habits, they all have to be dramatically changed. And the only way that's going to happen is if we stop lying to God and begin to earnestly pursue him with time where we cancel our our social engagements we cancel our shopping engagements we put away our entertainment We change our habits of sleep, of eating, of where we go and when we go and why we go. Everything has to be changed. That can only change in the prayer closet. We have, in fact, committed two great sins that have destroyed the American church. 
we have forsaken Jesus. And we no longer even know how to change that. As Jeremiah said, we forsake the spring of living water that flows by itself without our doing anything except coming and confessing our sins and submitting to him and doing what he tells us and he will flow from our bellies. And two, we're going to have to fill in our own cisterns, our leaky cisterns. Now, some of you are wonderful Christian people. And I thank God for you. But without a doubt, you also have been impacted by the by the sin of our churches. That has to change. We have five minutes left on this broadcast. I make no apologies for what I have said to you. In fact, I may soon no longer be on the radio. Powers to be don't like this kind of talk. I've put it all in the hands of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I come today acknowledging the great sin of my life, which has been self-reliance. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. I renounce trusting in my own judgment and my own ability. And I now I'm hiding myself in the prayer closet and saying, Jesus, please come. Please address the sin of my life and the sin of the church. For the church will soon be destroyed. And it has not provided a path to you, Jesus. It has provided a path to self-indulgence, entertainment, bad habits. Lord, I beseech you to come today in power and authority. And I ask you to deal with me and with us. Lord, I recognize that many will not even acknowledge what I'm saying. They only know how to trust in themselves. They've never let go of everything and trusted in you, Jesus. Oh, they have a sentimental relationship, but not one that says, Jesus is my king. And I submit to you, Jesus. I'm asking that out of this broadcast today that at least some people will begin to ask questions. 
and will begin to stop grumbling and stop gossiping, turn off the entertainment, break the habits, and seek your face. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we're failing. I put it in your hands. Amen. Well, I'm not feeling like a happy camper after this message today. I know I need your prayers. I need you to decide. If you have an opportunity, will you go to a revival? A revival is simply a time and place where we make the decision we're going back to Jesus and we're going to obey him and we're going to submit to him and we're going to stop lying to him. Will you do that? I love you, my brother and my sister. Be encouraged. The journey is worth it. The battle is worth it. This is a private battle that has to be fought. One-on-one -on -one with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>